games are so much more than, well, games. They're complex, engaging, exciting artifacts that play a significant role in society, education, and beyond. That's why we founded Board Game Academics earlier this year. As a group of tabletop gamers and academic professionals, our mission is to combine research and gaming in novel ways that benefit academia and the tabletop industry. We're doing this by focusing on the historical, cultural, and systemic exploration of games as they relate to complex themes like race, gender, nationality, ability, sexuality, and class. To present and celebrate the work of the researchers who have submitted their papers to Board Game Academics, we are holding an inaugural conference on August 2nd. If you're attending Gen Con Trade Day, join us at 2 p.m. on August 2nd. If you're not, registration is now open for the virtual conference taking place on the same day. Register today and discover the exciting, creative, and thoughtful approaches to gaming that are encouraging meaningful discourse between researchers, teachers, and gamers. Use the discount code PODCAST on our website, boardgameacademics.com, when registering to receive the student rate. Again, that discount code is PODCAST, www.boardgameacademics.com. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 433, Last 10 Spiel winners. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back. And once again, we are taking a look back at the last 10. It's been 10 years for us. And we're looking at the latest and greatest over the last 10 years. And for this episode, it's the Kennerspiel, the Connoisseur Awards for those games that are just a little bit heavier outside the mainstream of the Spiel des Jahres. Yeah, yeah. These are the games that maybe not are fully in line with our tastes, but we're well aware that we skew much heavier than the average gamer. Uh, This is the Spiel des Jahres committee trying to recognize, hey, there are bigger, heavier games out there that don't necessarily get recognition in our primary award. Um, and this is us trying to, to give that recognition. Absolutely. And Anthony, I don't know if you saw that, but there was recently an article on, I guess it was Dicebreaker, where somebody was actually, in fact, complaining about the Spiel des Jahres award and it doesn't deserve to be the largest award. So clearly they were listening to our last episode <laughs> and and they scoffed. They scoffed at us, Anthony. Yeah, I don't this bothers me when people get like this. Cause this is just this is how everybody is about everything in the world. It's like yeah, my perspective fine. and fine. my world. <laughs> everything that I see is the way things are. Why don't uh-huh. people agree with my perspective? True. And that's why the world is broken. So stop it. <laughs> stop doing that. Um, I like the Spiel des Jahres because it's 
it's that one award that I feel like looks at all the games and says, like, here's what actual real people would be playing mm-hmm. if they walked into a just a regular store and bought a game off the shelf. Here's the ones we think they should be playing. The argument here being, you know, the bigger the stuff that has staying power. And I would argue like it has staying power with us, the really hardcore gamers. There aren't that many of us. Mm-hmm. But there really aren't that many of us. The few, the brave, the ones yeah, who collect like, all the games. Even you look at like a Frosthaven campaign or something. What do they got like 50, 60,000 backers? And that's crazy. That's a lot of people, but it's not that many people. So I think I don't, I don't think any award should reflect what people find popular. That's silly. Um, but at the same time, unless it's a popularity award, I guess. Yeah, that's true. You know, if it's like the, the AMAs or something or the, the VMAs kids choice awards. Yeah, but like if we're actually trying to look at game, like what's the best game within this particular realm? And they're very clear about what they're evaluating for. I I think it's fine. We don't always agree with the games. We're like, that's a silly party game. And I don't think it's actually very good. But that's a different conversation than saying that the award itself is not relevant. I think the thing that we're always looking for from board games is an internal consistency throughout, right? Does the rule book, does it make sense? Does thematically, does it play out as it should? And if so, then we are happy. We are willing to suspend our disbelief to enjoy the game that we're playing. And I think the same thing's true for the awards. Any awards, all of these awards, they're all made up and they're all based upon some sort of internalized metrics and rubric and such. But there should be some internal consistency to it. And the more it adheres to what is stated clearly as the rationale, the more likely people are to buy into it. So Spielos is certainly not my favorite list of games of all time, but I respect the heck out of it because nine times out of 10, they get it right as far as what they're looking for, for the general audience. And they, they know, and it's, it's brilliant and it makes sense. And the other originators, and again, it match, everything matches up. So, right. It's kind of a, a thing, but because it's been such a thing and there's been so much ongoing discussion about it, we thought we would actually take a look at the Kenner Spiel, the Connoisseur Awards. They added this to for the heavier games. So we'll take a look back at the last 10 because I think that's more in line with what this writer is talking about and probably more in line with what our listeners are listening for. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, the examples they give of games that should have gotten up recognitions are like Puerto Rico and Terra Mystica and Spirit Island. And like those games are never going to win. No. Kenner Spiel. They're way too heavy. Way too heavy. And again, I love these (laughs) games, but we as a group need to recognize that they are extremely niche. Extremely niche. Yes. There might be 100,000 people in the world who've played Terra Mystica. They've just all played it a bunch. Right. So and that's not bad. It's just does a a big award committee need to recognize that? And there are plenty of places that will give those games awards. We give those games awards. Our All game the of the year, our game of the year in twenty nineteen was on Mars. Yeah, like, that's about as heavy <laughs> as it gets. You know, and people, some people read it and are like, I that's impenetrable for me. I'm like, yeah, but we like it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it makes who sense. We are. Yeah, but anyways, I I get these really salty, intentionally evocative articles kind of drive me crazy because it's just the internet in a nutshell and it's yeah i don't think the critique is baseless but i do think the way it's presented is maybe a little hyperbolic um 
and it disregard it look it just disregards what the ward is actually meant for it's not yeah. meant for us yeah, exactly. i mean look it's- not at all meant for us. It's meant for German families. <laughs> yes. They don't care they, about us. We're American. And I'm sure they have a, a better feel for German families than we do. I mean, we do, yeah. but not not as good as they do. And again, look, those awards need to be promoted. And those games that have been awarded or nominated need to be promoted because they're good games. They're all solid good games. You may not like them. I don't like several of them, but they're good games. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So we'll be talking about that on our feature. So hold on. We'll get to there in a second. And again, do check them out because I think, Anthony, is it this Monday? We're recording on a Friday, right? That the awards will be nominated? I mean, uh, revealed? We are recording a little bit earlier than last time. So they have not yet announced the the winners. Um, When this podcast comes out, they will have announced the winners. So um, let's pretend we know. Oh my gosh, Dwarf Romantic. That's crazy. I can't believe no. that video game adaptation won the Spiel des Jahres. Get that's out of here. That's, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if future Anthony is right about this. So Probably not. I'm always wrong about this award. <laughs> the only time I was ever right was uh, Code Names because I'm like, obviously that will win. But obviously then every other year, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so definitely check it out so that you can either cheer or mock Anthony on the next episode. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Go for it. (laughs) Excellent. But Anthony, that's not all. Obviously, we're heading out to Gen Con. And just, again, we want to let you all know that we want to see you there at our trade day event because it matters that we are there as a community. You already heard the information at the start of the podcast. Please don't skip it over. Check it out. Might be something greatly interested to you. And again, if you can't be there physically in person, Come join us on Discord. Uh, Maybe you've never had a chance to meet us in person. You'll get to meet us online. The whole crew will be there, including the editorial board from Board Game Academics. And we would love for you to join us. There'll be a lot of fun and conversation happening. And again, you make all of this possible. And we're so grateful. Now, Anthony, with that said, we have something else going out to our listeners out there on Patreon. What's your next episode? Uh, my next one, and guess what? I actually finished my Kickstarter postmortem. Ooh. I know. It only took six episodes. But I, <laughs> I, finished, it. I finished it a couple weeks ago. You sure ago. it's dead? You it's sure? done. I got to the end, and I was done. I didn't I didn't do Game Found, but there aren't as many over there. Um, So I'm moving on. I'm going to start doing a deep dive into my top 100. So I've, I've done a few tweaks for 2023. We did one last year, but I'm going to adjust it a little bit. There's a couple new games on there. Um, and then I'm going to spend a good three, four, five minutes on each game and tell you why it's on my top 100. Often when we do those top 100 lists, it's like rapid fire. It's like 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. 60 seconds per game. Um, So a little bit deeper dive of like, why is this game so important to me? Why is it still on my list? Why do I hold it up even if I don't get to play it as much as I'd like? Uh, And so I'm going to go, I'm going to start with 10. We'll see how long that goes and might adjust in the future to either more or less depending on how much I want to talk. All right, patreon.com slash BGA, a lot of stuff that's going on there. And again, you can always join our Discord channel where we're always talking and chatting about board games. All right, that's everything that's going on with us, Anthony. Let's get on to the things that we want to get to the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, acquisition disorder. Uh, So we're, I mentioned this last time, so it's nothing new, but we're that time of the year where just like random things are being announced that may or may not come out this year. Everybody wants attention. They're like, me, me, me. I'm like, but, but are you going to do a thing? They're like, uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> you're like, ah. <laughs> and then every game I look up, like, can I buy this? And it's like, no, Kickstarter. I'm like, ah. <laughs> or no, Essen. I'm like, ah, come on. Stupid Essen. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the one I, that jumped out for me this year, or so far this year, um, from the Essen list is The White Castle. This is a new one from Ira C. and Shay S., who have designed a whole bunch of games recently. Um, the big one that they're best known for is the Red Cathedral, but they've also designed um, Shinkansen Zero K, which I really enjoyed. We played that at PAX a couple of years ago. Um, and several other smaller games like 1987 Channel Tunnel. So they make smaller games that pack a punch, right? So like Lopiano does. Here's here's a Euro, smallish box, relatively complex considering what you're doing, and it takes less than an hour and a half, which I love. So this one is about trying to become the most influential clan in Japan's Himeji stronghold. Um, so you're going to control one of the clans in that stronghold, and you're trying to score more points than everybody else. Uh, you're amassing influence in the court, managing different resources, placing workers. It's a worker placement game um, with dice involved. And like all of their games, it's relatively compact. So if you've played the Red Cathedral, you know there's a lot of game in there, but it's relatively compact in terms of like how it's presented. Um, so you got like your own tiny little player board with your workers and your dice, and the main player board is very dense. So if you look at it, it looks a little busy, but it's not like this big sprawling Potoku thing. Um, so I'm excited about this for multiple reasons. I like the artwork. Um, that they're presenting. It's kind of that, you know, feudal J- Japanese look. Um, I like their games in general. Uh, Zero K, again, was a great little uh, root building game, building out the, the bullet trains in Japan. Um, uh, Red Cathedral, fantastic game, especially with the Contractors expansion, which really adds a lot to it. So this one looks like it's going to be another one that they've, you know, spent a good chunk of time on and really worked on, like, condensing a Euro game uh, into... I don't want to say accessible. I wouldn't say their games are necessarily accessible, but they're shorter and they're quicker and they're easier to teach uh, than like the big sprawling behemoths that we normally play. So uh, I don't recall exactly when they said this is coming out. Um, I believe it's on that SN list for demo. They're not demoing it at Gen Con. They've confirmed that Devere is releasing it here in the US. They will have a sealed copy on hand, but they won't be doing any demos. Um, (laughs) So you'll be able to see the box. Uh, but I, I imagine it's coming out this fall. So hopefully by PAX, this will exist and we can pick it up. That's where I got re- the Red Cathedral expansion. So hopefully <laughs> this one as well I can pick up there. And Batoku I got at PAX. Yeah, when we say there'll, there'll be a sealed copy at the booth, that's actually a thing that happens. I remember years yeah. <laughs> ago, we had gotten in early, and I think it was the Castles of Burgundy, the card game, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And we got in there early and I ran over there. I was like, I want this little game. And it was like, whatever it was, 15, 20 bucks. And they had like, several copies sealed all over the booth, but nobody was in the booth. And I waited at the booth and people kept running over to the booth and running away from the booth because there was no one there. And we were all like, we're going to get a copy. We're going to get and like, no, no. Those are the sealed copies that we brought to show you the sealed copies. <laughs> like, <laughs> why would you do that? Like, why? And why is there so many? And like, come on, let me get a sealed copy. So, yeah, at least yeah. they're telling us that they're not like putting it on the list. That, that's gonna... what it was. That game was on the list saying that they'd have it at Gen Con. And they're like, we do have it. We're just not letting you play it or buy it. <laughs> so I, I'm claiming shenanigans on that because it was shenanigans. I, yes. Yeah. And also like I, 
shout out to the to the volunteers at that booth who are going to have to answer that question like 4,000 times before <laughs> Gen Con's over. No, I'm sorry. You cannot buy that copy that is sealed. Yes, no, I know it's sealed. Therefore, up for sale. But you know you cannot buy that copy because it's not for sale. Like, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It, it's... I know why they do it. It's to say, like, this is what we have coming up. Yeah, Somebody can fine. physically carry that with them on the airplane so they don't have to do air freight or anything. <laughs> uh, Did they have to have one of those those briefcases with the handcuffs that's locked <laughs> to their wrist? Yeah, for this random board game. They're <laughs> putting it carrying? through, he's he's carrying putting it through security. <laughs> yeah, he's taking it off at security, and the security guard's like, uh-huh, what's in the box? <laughs> Cardboard. And then he opens the box, and the guy goes, can I buy that? He's like, no, damn it. <laughs> And then he's got to put it in a in a wooden crate, amongst other wooden crates, so that it'll be safe. Yeah. To be, but to be studied by top men. Super this safe, is... especially if you put uh, rocket cars and nuclear weapons nearby. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds safe. fine. <laughs> All right. Well, another oddity that's popped up that I wanted to talk about is a game from back from 2017 that I loved, and I think it's gotten some love. I don't think it's gotten as much love because, to be honest, it's more or less a very straightforward, more or less abstracted mechanical kind of euro. This is Kalamala. Um, this is fa- by Fabio Lupiano. And ever so recently, it came out that they're adding artwork from Ian O'Toole. And the box looks magnificent it looks like a a huge box again we haven't seen a sealed copy so we don't know how big the box is because it's a rather small game but this is going to have an expansion added to it and i already own this game and now ian o'toole has (laughs) put his artwork on this and now there's going to be more to this on top of everything else uh if you have not at some point played kalamala you really should have and or should um, this one, this version is coming from out from Alley Cat Games, and again, wise choice picking Ian O'Toole for the artwork here. But primarily, it comes down to being one of the cloth merchants in Florence during the middle age, the late Middle Ages, and primarily, as far as actions are concerned, there is this really unique little sideboard where you're going to be adding discs to. When you add a disc to the board, it's going to activate two adjacent actions. In addition to that, if there are any other discs from other players, they're going to activate as well. Once a fourth disc goes on top, then it goes over to another separate board, and that triggers, um, it moves to the city council, and that triggers the city council as far as one of the scoring rounds are concerned. So there's a separate board that has all the things that will score. So with those two mechanics together, and then in addition to that, there is a, a relatively sparse but okay kind of uh, map of, you know, Europe and Florence, more towards the Mediterranean, and you're adding cubes and houses out there to, you know, sell and market stuff like that. It's a rather simplistic, straightforward game. I wouldn't say simplistic as in, like, it's simple, but it's straightforward, it's streamlined. It just plays so well. There's something very smart about it. If you were able to get like the special additional little houses, they have like these little, you know, stand up houses. But otherwise, it's a very traditional late 90s Euro game. That was a lot of fun. It was just it just makes sense. It played really easy and fun. 
And now they're super deluxifying it. So yet again, we're having the same conversation, which is, do I now need to buy a game the second time <laughs> in order to get the better artwork and or pieces? And maybe perhaps, I don't know if it plays well, because we never know if, if something plays well, but they're throwing in an expansion as well. So um, deluxified, new edition, and there's a two-player mode in addition to all that. Um, yeah, Kalamala coming out some point soon. Yeah, this was a fun game. Like, I love Lopiano stuff. For whatever reason, this one didn't click as much with me. And I I, I did have a copy and I passed it on. Um, that said, I liked it. And so if we're getting new stuff and new artwork and two-player option that seems really compelling, my major concern, of course, is just cost. Yeah. You do all that. It's gonna. Are you going to turn a $40 game into a $90 game? <laughs> and then I I would what? be hard pressed to pay close to a hundred dollars for a Lopiano game that takes an hour to play and mm -hmm. you might get out a couple times a year, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm interested to see when it does hit out. Um, this will probably hit Q3, so in the next several months. But again, we're talking about Kickstarter. So um, as you said, Anthony, does the deluxified you know, move it to the point where it's just not viable as, as far as the game's concerned. I, I like the game a lot. It's I've, I've championed it for quite some time. So, you know, but as you said, it's a smaller game. Hey everybody. We are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Uh, those are the games that we want to hit the table, deluxified or not. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table this week. Let you know if those games are buy, you should pick them up. Those games are a play. You should sit down and play them. Those games are a dodge and you should avoid them. Or in fact, those games are the dread burn. They've been deluxified such a point that they fell down on their own weight. Anthony, I got to play a bunch of games this week. I went back to my first meetup at meetup.com, one of the meetup groups. It has been forever, thanks to COVID. And it was weird because I brought a bunch of games, which I learned in advance. And I was like excited. I brought a whole little suitcase of games, got to the table and forgot 
the the dramatic dynamics of going to a meetup and all the other people that are there and the games that are playing. So I got to play other games, but eventually I'll get to play the games <laughs> that I brought someday soon. But until then, let me talk about the two of the games that I played. So first up, I played a game of Expedition. This is a game from Wolf Game Kramer. It's been reprinted, remade, re-implemented several times before. And this version of the game that I got to play, the, you know, more or less, I think National Geographic kind of took it over. It's been produced by a bunch of different people. This one came out from 1996, which, again, does not seem a long time ago for me. But um, looking from looking at the board, in fact, it was like, oh, this is one of those older games I need to run because I don't want to play the older games. I want to play the new stuff. But nonetheless, Meetup being what it is, I sat down to play the game. And I'll, I'll tell you, I was surprised. I actually liked the game a lot. Basically, you're, you and your fellow competitors are having expeditions. At the start of the game, you are given several cards that you know highlight a certain place or relic in the world, along with some flavor text. This copy was in German, could not read the flavor text. Don't worry about it. It's not needed. The point is, find on the map where they are. You have a hand of cards. You are trying to reach those spots. A couple of them you have to make public with these little discs. This is how way back old this game is. It has little plastic discs. And you're like, wow, this is really, really bad. Um, but again, it's not deluxified and not $100. So sure, it's fine. So you place those discs out, which lets everyone know where to kind of not let you go. And that happens a lot in the game. There are three types of expedition marked by three different colors, yellow, blue, and red. And on your turn, you're going to add a little plastic arrow from one area to another. And then if somebody, including yourself, has that expedition, you'll be able to claim it as complete. There are also neutral expeditions that are just out there. And again, if you're able to get there, you get that one added to your kind of scoring point. Throughout the game, you're adding arrows. Now, you could take that one color and run with it eventually things get a little iffy. And if you go around in a circle back to where the arrows come around upon themselves, you get to move in a different direction. So you get to pick up a, a new arrow, put it somewhere else and go off on a new direction. There are also two other expeditions. So you can choose any and all or mix them up which ways you're going because you're going to need to collect relics and artifacts and locations from a bunch of different spaces throughout the game. If you hit a green space, you get to go again. If you hit a red space, you get these kind of coupons that let you go additional times because you didn't hit another green space. It's fast. It's fun. It's, you know, you can't get away with not helping your, you know, competitors. And at the same time, you can kind of mess them up because you see some of their goals on the board and you can work them around. It's a very simple game. It's a very straightforward game. It didn't take much time to explain it. Maybe like five minutes at tops. And that's Expedition. It, it gets a solid play for me. This may be one of those games where it's been reprinted several times. doesn't need a deluxified edition to get to the table. It's just a lot of fun. Cool. Old games are fun. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't happen very often, but it's always fun. It's true. It's like, oh, there is games that are fun that were more than 20 years old. And wow, it doesn't sound like a long time. <laughs> I guess it is. All right, I got to play a game, Anthony, that I know you got to play. I've talked about this a couple of times. I've only up to this point played it on Board Game Arena, but I got to play it in person a couple of times. This is Earth. Earth, Anthony, it's Earth. You know Earth. It uh, is Earth. What, what game are we talking about? 
Earth. I think it's Earth. I think it's the game is Earth. It's another. Earth? It's another game. <laughs> so Earth is, I, I guess, somewhat of the new hotness. It was there to kind of take out terraforming Mars. So Mars has a competitor. It turns out it's Earth. Huh? I don't. I don't know. There, there's a joke in there somewhere. I don't know. So, um, this is a game of tableau building. And throughout the game, you are taking one of four actions. And when you take an action, it allows everyone else at the table to take a secondary action. Um, Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy. There's endless number of games that actually do this now. When you take the action, you get to do a thing. And most of the things are about building plants and soils that can sustain life. So this is all about the plants and some and some about the animals, so to speak, but mostly about the, the earth and the ground that are growing up. You also get to activate color cards of that particular color. And then in your tableau, they activate in a certain sequence and then they give you their own benefit. So based upon where you place the cards in this four by four tableau, you can kind of build a little really cute engine to fully add a lot of points. In addition to that, there's a main board that has certain objectives that will score you points throughout the game. So you want to get there first because those are the most points. And again, just like Terraforming Mars, there's a lot of symbology in this game. It's not terrible, but there is a lot of symbology in this game. So you are building up the growth, which is these little pieces with the little toppers, and they all look like little kind of extended mushrooms. And you're also adding green cubes because to designate growth. So you have growth and you have plants that are growing up there. And throughout the game, you are building in order to score the most points possible because it is a Euro game. Points are on the cards. Points are on the little green cubes. Points are on the growth. And at the end of the game, you add up all of those points, including the main goals, and you have a winner. This is a good game. I played this several times online. I've now played it in person. I was kind of worried that all the little towering growth would fall down and topple all over the place. Uh, it is a little much because you do have to keep an eye on your tableau. You have to keep an eye on all the symbology of the cards that you're playing it from your hand. And you do have to keep an eye on all of the bonus goals, plus everyone else has their own tableaus at the same time. Once you build up, or once someone builds up all of their cards in their tableau, the 16 cards, the game comes to an end, score the points, and you have your victor. I like the game. It's a solid play for me. I don't know why it doesn't move up to a buy. This seems like kind of like one of those games that would be a buy. And I think it probably would have been if it came out before Terraforming Mars. I think, and I hate to say this because I love myself a tableau builder. I mean, more than anything... More than any other mechanic in a game, I love a t I love love a tableau builder. I don't know if I'm just a little burnt out, or maybe this one's just a little too dry. I don't know, but either way, Earth is a good game, and you should try it because it's a lot of fun to play. So don't dodge it, sit down and play it, enjoy it. Yeah, I think I gave it a play too, and I, I had a similar reaction where I'm like, everything about this seems like something I should like. What is it about it that's not quite clicking for me? And like, if I think back to my review, I think a big part of it was just. It, it is the tableau mechanics. It is the whole giant pile of cards. And it also is just their solution for giant pile of cards is letting you draw like an endless number of cards, godly yeah. number of cards. So at certain points, I've had hands of like 30 or 40 cards, which, you know, most of those cards you're not going to use and you know that, but it's still, it's just like cumbersome. It feels messy. 
Like okay. it feels like the game could have used some further editing and revision. Um, which I mean, to be fair, terraforming Mars feels like that too. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> well, and again, part of that mechanic is you want to build up cards in your hand because one of the scoring mechanics is composting your cards. So the more cards you can discard from your hand, the more points you get. I mean, that's kind of a mechanic, but as you said, it is a lot of cards and I think maybe, in fact, because they're not they're not dramatic events in the card deck, that it's almost like a little too bland. And I mean that in a respectful yeah. way because it's 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 really interesting. It's terraforming. It's that's yeah. what it is. It's about soil and plants, and I'm sure there's some scientific logic into it as well, more so than terraforming Mars. But it's not dramatic enough or thematic enough that it just like. Oh, this is I'm going to throw an asteroid or I'm putting a, a city yeah. down or something, which I mean, it's a funny thing, because I feel like those cards in other games are the things that we point at and say, well, that's not balanced. Right. Yes. Like you drew that card and I drew this boring one cost <laughs> event. Yeah. Whereas Earth kind of manages that by keeping the cards within the same ballpark as each other. But then when you're playing, you're like, well, none of these are very fun. So, yes, um, we're not happy about anything. We just, you can't make us happy. <laughs> That's the Sorry. episode. Game designers. <laughs> it's impossible to make a Tableau game that doesn't make us a little grumpy. How about that? It's Existential Freedom, the episode. So yeah. sorry, folks. We're, <laughs> we're working through it. All right. Well, those are the games at the table this week. Do check them out. Whether they're young or old, they're a lot of fun to get to the table. All right, Anthony, let's get on to our feature review. So our feature review this week, we are talking about The Last Ten. Last week, we talked about The Last Ten, the Spielish Yaris games, the German game awards that typically just just blow up big support the games that they nominate and win and they're typically pretty good to very good games despite what some people might say so uh <laughs> this week's episode anthony we are talking about the kennerspiel or the kenner dish kennerspiel dish yaris uh the connoisseur games the expert games um i don't know necessarily if we would say these are expert games for us, because we run a little heavy, a little crunchy, but the Kenner can be translated as connoisseur or expert. So they are their level of expert. So we're going to look at the last 10, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and honestly, there aren't that many more than 10. Like this award only started in 2011. Uh -huh. um, Honorable I mentions. Would I would imagine to some degree in response to people saying the games were getting too light. Yes. So I don't know Absolutely. if that's true, but it seems like it. Yeah, so Honorable Mentions, 2011, Seven Wonders. Wonderful. Good start. Love that a lot. And I, I guess if we want to talk about the nominated ones, Lancaster, also a great game by uh, Matthias Kramer, and Straussburg by Stefan Feld. Great, great games. Um, 2012, the winner was Village, and the nominee was K2 and Tarji. And then there was also Recommended uh, that year, which is Friday, Hawaii, and Aura Labor, which is which I would recommend as the top for 2012. Yeah. I mean, there's your heavier games. Yes. That's what you're looking for, people. There they are. All right. So let's get to the last 10. Starting off, we had 2013. Um, the Palaces of Carrera was a nominee, as well as Bruges. I should also mention the recommended because they're there. Terra Mystica and Zulkin the Mind Calendar. But Anthony, the winner was Legends of Andor. I dig that game. I have not played that game. I, I have to say, like, I don't think I've ever gotten you to play this. I don't I don't know that you necessarily like it either, but uh, it is two adventure games, kind of what Gloomhaven was to, like, the dungeon crawl, mm -hmm. for me at least, where 
it took the core mechanic that I found boring, which was just like moving around a map and rolling dice and added a, a tweak to it that made it much more interesting, right? You have yeah. the time mechanic, which requires you to plan out your actions and min-max what you're able to do on the board. And some people that hate that, and I understand why, because they just want to wander around and explore things. But I don't feel like those are even games to me. Like, if I'm just wandering around and exploring things, I'm like, what am I doing? What's the point of this? How do I win? <laughs> like, Andor, like, gives you... Uh, it restricts you enough that it feels like there's something going on around it. So I always, always enjoyed these. Yeah. I still haven't played that game. Like you said, it's probably more, more your bag than mine. Bruges is in there, which is one of my top 10 games of all time. It, it bounces around in that top 10, but always, and I'm talking about Bruges, not the new city version. Palaces Carrera also in my top 100, give or take the year. Uh, love that game a lot. Recently got a deluxified reprint. I have not picked up that one because I have the original one. And I like that game so much that I got that shipped over from Europe. And I still have the German cards for it. So, um, yeah. And then Anthony recommended Terra Mystica and Zulk in the Mind Calendar. This is a this is a banger year. This is yeah. Murderer's Row. Like, it's, it's kind of shocking that Legends of Andor won. No, you know, no uh, disrespect to it. But, like, those are those are four big games that are still around today. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what they nominate or recommend, they're they still skew lighter. Like we'll see that in all the years to come. Yes. Like they often they will nominate several heavier games, and not always the lightest one of the bunch wins the Kenner Spiel. Yeah, but often true. the lightest one often. of the bunch. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna put a bet, go go for the lighter of the of, of the list. Right. All right, 2014, we have Rococo, one of my favorite games, my top one hundred. Uh, and then also nominated was Concordia, one of my top 100, always up there. And then again, recommended Amerigo, Bloodbound, Guildhall, and Russian Railroads. But Anthony, the winner that year was Istanbul. The lightest one on the list. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, their Istanbul... crunch is not so crunchy. Yeah, I mean, Istanbul is a good game, and I, I like it, and I've liked the expansions and everything go with it. Um and within the context of this, if you're like, you need to teach one of these games, it would probably be for me, Istanbul or Concordia, because in terms of simplicity and accessibility, um, I do think Concordia would have been a good pick for this. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's not a complex game especially in terms from, of like learning it. Especially from uh, Matt Gertz. Yeah. It's like three pages of rules. Mm -hmm. um, very easy to learn. Very easy to teach. Uh but yeah, another good year. Like, I like a lot of these games myself. You know, Concordia, Ru uh, Russian Railroads, Amerigo, all top 100 games for me. Yeah, these are all top 100 games for me. Concordia, I think I agree with you, Anthony. Even the last meetup I was at, people pulled out Concordia. And I was like, oh, it's still going. And again, there's been a lot of jokes about trading the Mediterranean. But Concordia made it its own and is like the, the standard. So... And again, I love Rococo, and I love all the games here. So it's it's a fantastic year throughout. Anthony, 2015, another interesting year, another great year here. Uh, Elysium and Orleans are the nominated, and then the recommended, also good games, Deus, Fields of Aural, and a game that I think you might like a little bit, The Voyages of Marco Polo. Yeah. But let me tell you what, 2015, the winner was Broom Service. Oof. That's a that's a rough win. <laughs> <laughs> the lighter um, games, the lighter games. It, it is the lighter game. I, I think Deus could be up there too in terms of lightness, but 
And you know, some of these games have. No, I think most of these have held up through the they test have. of time. Broom Service is not a game you see around very much at all. Uh, and Orleans is just, you know, it's an all timer along with Field- Voyages of Marco Polo and Fields of Arl in terms of like big, long two player Euros. It's obviously super niche, but sure. you know, it's, it's still a popular game. I played yeah. Broom Service. I like it. I think it's a, a clever experience. I had fun with it. I don't think. In terms of like what I would bring to a game night, it definitely is down the list. Yeah, and again, you probably uh, many of us played Witch's Brew, which yeah. was re-implemented for this one. Again, all these games at one point or another were definitely my top one hundred, especially way back when. Uh, Orleans is a favorite of mine. Elysium, I liked it so much, I I picked up the the card mat for this. I think we played at Daniel's a a, a long time back. And yeah, they're all, I mean, the Voyages of Marco Polo is, is a brilliant, brilliant game. So yeah. um, no, no surprises there. But again, since they do skew lighter, that's the way that they are tend to thinking. But again, I appreciate that they even nominate them because they're great games. Yeah. 2016, we are talking about the nominated games here, Time Stories, and also Pandemic Legacy Season 1. This is super interesting that both these games are these legacy games and in this nominated category, and then you go to the recommended, and we're talking some Euro games here, Seven Wonders Duel, Blood Rage, and Mombasa. Again, the great mechanic games of, I I think, still to this day. I mean, Mombasa's mechanics are fantastic, Blood Rage, and Seven Wonders Duel. I mean, that trio right there, I don't think that there are many better years as far as mechanics are concerned that are better than that. 2016 was a huge year, huge, huge year. Um, and it's funny, like, I remember when this these ones came out, we talked about it quite at length on the podcast, because that was the year of Pandemic Legacy. That was the year when we're like, oh, this can be done at scale, and it can be very good. Yeah. But then Time Stories had also come out that year. And Super innovative. Like, oh, this one's flying under the radar because of Pandemic Legacy. People are missing out on this yes. one. Um, Blood Rage hit, and it was just like the first... I'm not gonna say the first Kickstarter that was like a blow up success, but like one of the first. Yeah. Like, wow, look at this thing. <laughs> um, and so no one knew really knew what direction it was gonna go. And they're like, are they really gonna give the award to like Pandemic Legacy? That some people was like, is it you know, is it a real? It's, it's a game, obviously, but it's like a one time experience type of thing. That was the whole argument. Yeah. Um. So it's not surprising that the game that won did, but Isle of Sky from yeah. Chieftain King. Again, a Euro, but a lighter Euro, and not either of the legacy games that you just talked about. Right, yeah. And it was a back-to-back win for Alexander Pfister, too, because he had won the year before for Broom Service. Um, of course he did. <laughs> I, I love Isle of Sky. I think it's a very fun, clever game. You throw in some of the expansion materials, and it, it becomes a little bit chunkier, more interesting. Um, but definitely the lightest of the bunch here. But again... Again, I keep coming back to this. If you ask me which game I had to bring to a game night and throw down and teach quickly, I'd probably pick Isle of Sky. The rest of these are a little bit heavier. Leg, yeah. Uh, other than Seven Wonders Duel, because it's a two-player game you can teach in five minutes. So I'm okay with this pick. But again, we yeah, as we keep coming back to, and it's the it's lightest lighter. of the bunch. And again, it's consistent throughout. So there's no there's no problem with that. It's yeah, just, it's just noted. All right. We're going down to 2017. The nominated ones are Raiders of the North Sea and Terraforming Mars. That was surprising that year that I got there. And then the recommended ones were Captain Sonar, interesting game, 
The book, the big book of madness, also interesting. Great Western Trail mechanics, the grizzled, great game. Surprise that's here. And Anthony, that year for 2017, exit the game, the secret laboratory, the abandoned cabin, and the Pharaoh's tomb. I guess they all came out at the same time. Yeah, it's uh this was another weird year because yeah. we were surprised they nominated Terraforming Mars. That's usually the type of game they would put under recommended, like the heavier one. Yes. But but it was such a big hit. It like blew up so much. People were like, yes, no, that has to be nominated. Raiders of the North Sea was the first Kickstarter to be nominated for one of these awards. So that was a big thing we kept talking about. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, is a Kickstarter game gonna win? And now of course <laughs> everything's a Kickstarter game. So sure. that, that wouldn't even be a conversation. But then it was like, Kickstarter, really? Um, and then that was also the time, like these exit unlock, all those types of games, the escape room type games were blowing up like 2017. They were everywhere. There was like five different versions of them that all came out together. So when exit got nominated, we're like, well, that makes sense. And then of course that's what wins because that's the lightest game on the list. It is. It is. And again, I I guess they like the legacy one and done system so much that last year we just talked about right. pandemic legacy was nominated and time stories was nominated but they probably were like these are very good and innovative and the rules are really sharp yeah but they're too long too big too crunchy and then obviously the extra games came out and that just again the lighter the lighter of those yeah so. yeah i've gone through a few of these i really enjoy them most of the time um there's one recently that came out it's like a lord of the rings one that, mm-hmm. that's very clever and very fun i they've Inca and Marcus Brand have found their thing. <laughs> I know other people make some of these now, but they just keep turning these things out. Wonderful. 2018. That's pretty clever. And Heaven and Ale, along with the recommended, was I guess was a small list this year. Clank, a deck building adventure and pioneers. But the winner for 2018, the Quacks of Quinlanburg. Yeah, this one, not the lightest one. No, we've, we've broken our own thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this was the again, we talked about this last week, the, the, the year that Wolfgang Warsh was nominated for three awards. Yes. So he had to win one. <laughs> this is the one he won for. Uh, Gonshon Clever is a roll and write. Uh-huh. It's a very good one. I very much enjoy this. There are now four of them yes. with different sheets. Um, they all have apps. So I just recommend getting the app because honestly, the physical versions you don't really need unless you want to play with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but Quacks of Quedlinburg has stood up, right? Heaven and Ale is a very good game and I enjoy it. And I'm glad it was nominated, but he- the Quacks of Quedlinburg is like the perfect Kennerspiel nominee, like weight wise, accessibility wise, teachability. It's perfect. Yeah. And as you said, it lasted. I mean, the, the amount of money that the board game geek store must've made on the upgraded pieces <laughs> for quacks, they must've retired. They must, someone must've retired from that because they were like going for like 30, $40 and they were constantly sold out and it's a great game. And I actually got a chance to play it in the prototype version way back when, and it's had several expansions and even a big box that's been added to it. I'm super happy that this one got, it. I am. I, I'll go the other way though. Anthony heaven and nail super crunchy heavy and brutal how did it make it to the list that game will punish you man i know yeah it's it is an elegant game (laughs) like just looking at it from like how they evaluate things it's an elegant game it is is that will murder you in the middle of the night (laughs) (laughs) relatively easy to teach um but boy is it tough and if you make poor decisions early too bad buddy (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, I mean, nonetheless, I'm glad that it was it was nominated in there. But be aware that is not a Kenner Spiel game. That is that is that that is next level stuff. So for 2019, the nominated was Carpe Diem and Detective, a modern crime board game. And then the recommended was Architects of the West Kingdom, Lowlands, Newton, which you just talked about last week, Anthony, and Paper Tales. But the winner for 2019, I don't know if it should be a surprise. If you knew what this came out, it's Wingspan. Yeah. this and The funny thing with this one, too, is when they announced the nominees, I'm like, Wingspan better Wingspan. win. <laughs> I like Carpe Diem a lot. It was my favorite Stefan Feld game in that like kind of down period. Oof. Like those seven, eight years when a lot of the games he released weren't very good. This was the best one, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Um Detective is such an app driven Yeah. It's it's a game. They've gamified it, but it is very much more experience than yeah, game. I have it. It is. Yeah. I like it. I I played it at Gen Con, the last Gen Con I went to. I played it like with Trevichek in some big event. It's fun. But Wingspan was Wingspan, and oh, it, yeah. it really deserved to win. I'm glad it did. It's surprising that one of the recommended didn't bounce up there. Detective is, again, an innovative game, but I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm just surprised it's there. Not yeah. that it's not deserving. Just Architects of the West Kingdom or even Newton or Paper Tales certainly fits in that nominated I, category. I guess, yeah. The, the recommended list I, I don't think was very strong that year, though. Like No. I talked about Newton last week. It's still a play for me even with all the upgrades. Architects sure. is probably the best of those four games, and it's still not great until you get the expansion materials in there because the game doesn't... It becomes samey after a few plays. Um, so I I don't know that it was the strongest year overall except for Wingspan, which... And you got to give a lot of credit to Elizabeth Hargrave on that because that game... Somehow that game is not overly complicated. I don't know how how the design does that because mm-hmm. that game should break at the average the average gateway light outside gamer. It's there's a lot of cascading effects, mm-hmm. and somehow this has not been this is still mainstream. I don't know how she did it, and there's so many expansions now at this point. I mean, it should it should not work. It's just too much. It's a huge deck of cards that have a whole bunch of things to it. Some of the card combinations are broke. And then she's like, yeah, how about more expansions that add more stuff? And people are like, yes, can I buy all the things and a nesting box? And like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get on to 2020. 2020s. Uh, the nominated were Cartographers and The King's Dilemma. The recommended were Paladins of the West Kingdom, Res Arcana, and a little game that I love and hold deal, Underwater Cities. But the winner that year, The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. Yeah. Okay. I called this the first time I played this game. Yes. I, I, I think I talked about it here. Like I played a print and play copy with a friend like around Christmas time. And I was like, oh, this is going to win the Spiel des Jahres. <laughs> this is a very, <laughs> it's clever, it's unique, it's cooperative, it's creative. Um, it's all the things that they like. And it was enough more complicated that it had to, f- I, I thought it would be nominated for the Spiel. So, but I guess it was just a little too complicated. So they had to put it on Kenner Spiel. Sure. Um, and then you look at the rest of the nominees, like Cartographers, it's a 
great and it's a clever spin on the flip and right because you get to draw instead and there is player interaction which is something most flip and rights roll and rights don't have the king's dilemma was just all negotiations all the time and it was a very fun way to do that but the game part of it was again kind of skewed a little it's more of a it was a borderline rpg the way you ended up playing that game sure um under recommended obviously we have underwater cities which is an all-timer and would have loved to see that fully nominated beautiful that was but the crew is great it's a very good game and for people who like trick taking and who like cooperative type things it it really it sung a lot um so i was glad to see this and there wasn't other than underwater cities there's nothing else there i was like i wish that had won instead so i'm happy all right well that's 2021 uh, the nominated were Fantasy Realms, Lost Runes of Arnak, and then the recommended were Aeon's End, Barrage, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, Rift Force. But the winner for that year, for 2021, Paleo. What a weird one. That's a weird one. Yeah, and maybe we don't have enough distance yet. It was only a couple years ago, but Paleo, I feel like it came out and people were like, this is interesting, and I haven't heard anything about it since. Nope, not a word. Haven't Lost played Ruins it, of... haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I still haven't played it either. I've never seen it anywhere. And nope. like Lost Ruins of Arnak was a smash hit. Oh, Fantasy huge. Realms was has multiple versions now. Other companies have ripped it off. Like, yes. Um, clever little game. Uh, Aeon's, Aeon's End is a weird one because that's an older game, but I guess it just got to Germany at that point. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know. I think, I think Lost Ruins probably should have won that year, but sure. Paleo... I can't say anything about it either way. I haven't played it, so I don't know. Yeah, neither have I. I mean, Gloomhaven draws a lion. I thought might have had a shot at that. Mm. Uh, Lost Runes of Arnak, I felt was, I love it. It's it's obviously proven itself a time and time again, but it did feel like a little heavier than sure. even the Kenner spiel was concerned. But yeah, Paleo winning that was, was an oddity, I think. Yeah. Um, but again, have not played it. It might fit perfectly. It does have that table appeal to it. It looks sure. very good at the table. Yeah, it is All very right. pretty. I was a little surprised too. Under recommended barrage. That might be the yeah. heaviest game that they've recommended ever. Recommend ever. Yeah, right? that's a very heavy game. <laughs> physically, <laughs> like yeah. physically, and I guess gameplay wise, for for sure. Yeah. Which brings us to 2022. Uh, Anthony, I'll leave 2023 to kind of run us through the nominees there, but 2022. The nominated ones were Dune Imperium and then Cryptid. And then the recommended ones were Ark Nova and then Korra, Rise of an Empire, and then Witchstone. But the winner that year, which I think I may have said or shouted when we played it, I think at the, I think it was at, I think it was at PAX Unplugged. It was, yeah. Living yeah. Forest. And I was like, oh, this is winning awards. This is just, this is yeah. it. Yeah. That was great, too, because we had not heard of the game. No, at all. We were just we were wandering around. It was late at night, and I I don't remember if this was something that one of the workers, the enforcers, recommended, or we just stumbled on it. We're like, "That's cute. Let's try that." And we played it. We're like, "Oh, that's really clever!" And it has this cool mechanism interchange, and it's pretty. And the the rules actually aren't that great, so I'm a little surprised. Um, but it's just yeah, it had everything that felt like a spiel type of game. It certainly did, and it made it just. I remember seeing at the table and just like. The colors, the gameplay, everything kind of fit really well. It it always it always had a chance of being a little too heavy for the general audience because as we've seen that the games are on the lighter side of it. 
But nonetheless, it just felt right. It had all the mechanics we had played before in so many other games. And yet at the same time, done. So Anthony, that brings us to 2023. Again, this will, it gets it gets mentioned after, I think, the Spiel Shiaras and I think the Kinderspiel. I think this is like usually the, the last one. They, yeah. they space them out. They don't yeah, give so them the, all. Well, no, the Kinderspiel gets announced in June. So we already know okay. the winner of that. Yeah. Um, And then I think it was, I don't remember. I have to top my yeah, head which game Kinder, won. Kinderspiel, and then Kenner. Yeah. But the Spiel and the Kenner come out the same day. So those oh, will both day? be announced Sorry. on the 17th. It was separate. Okay. So we have for here, we have a little a little bit different. We have uh, Planet Unknown, Iki, which we talked about before, and Challengers. What a weird list. I don't... <laughs> Planet Unknown is like a big sprawling things on a map type of game. It's very Western. I don't, I don't want to say Western. That's, that's, that's a weird thing to say. But like, it's just like of the era of Kickstarter kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Iki, that game is brilliant it's brilliant but it's also like seven years old and i know it just now got to germany but it's like weird for me to see it nominated here because i'm like that game's been out forever i've played it a bunch so and then challengers is like is that even really a game uh depending on who you ask i've not played it but i've heard that i've heard that critique of the of it to say the least yeah i mean there's plenty of games that are activities that are not games that are whatever that are lots of fun so i'm not saying it's not fun i haven't played it either um but I've heard the same kind of critique. It's it's a weird one. It's more, more party tournament style. Yeah, it's a deck management the flag, game. The game type of thing. It's a deck management game, and you're playing against each other and yeah. tournament style. So yeah, and again, it's it's got that kind of smash up thing where there's just different different kind of factions that can can play against each other. So mm-hmm. I've not played it. I'm sure we'll probably get it played since it was been nominated. We'll, we'll probably play a Gen Con at some point because it's a thing. So, well, there you go. The last 10 plus of the Kenner Spiel, the connoisseur, the heavy games that we love to get to the table on the lighter side, but still consistent throughout. Great games. Should check them out if you haven't already. Uh, pick them up, play them at the table, and enjoy them. All right. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya.